This week on Notorious Scoundrels Podcast. So it's basically suppressive through the back door. Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels Podcast, where we're going to talk about Star Wars Legion and some tactics. And today we're going to talk some more games played. We're going to talk about snipers and more specifically sniper strike teams. And then uh, this time we promise we're also going to get to Bosk and Sabine's command cards that were spoiled on the live stream. So uh, my name is Kyle and I'm joined by my friends Mike and David. How are you guys doing? Hey, doing pretty good. Pretty good. Doing great, man. Um, ready to uh, ready to talk about this sort of stuff. It would, be, uh... it would be unfortunate if you weren't. Yeah, I know. But let's figure out let's figure out how to break this uh, this strike team meta. But that's not what we're doing at first. I don't think we're going to talk about some housekeeping issues, right? Yep. So uh, Invader League signups started yesterday. It's almost full already. So if you <laughs> if you I, I believe. The last update was like maybe 20 or 30 minutes ago was LJ had expanded it and put three more US groups in. Yep. So because there are a hundred people signed up, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of amazing. The the good thing about Invader League is since it's a this is a tournament on tabletop simulator. Uh so since it's online, there's essentially you know, there's there's a size limit as a practical matter of running a tournament, but it's not like we have, you know, tables or space limitations or terrain limitations. So uh, if you if you sign up, there's a good chance. Um, I don't know if he'll expand the size again, but certainly the the limitations on that are not the same as they would be like in a convention space. So if you want to play, other, go sign up. The, the other thing with that is that um, in an online thing, there's also inevitably drops in the round robin. And I think that um, they just replace people on the wait list. They do, yep. Yeah, that actually happened to me. I signed up late uh, for Invader League Season 2, and uh, I ended up getting a spot actually before the season started. So, Yeah, yeah sign up. Invader 2, Invader 2 was really cool. I, I had a great experience with Invader 2, and I got knocked out in the first round, but it was really neat. And of course, you know, those of you who are following Invader know that I run the Avon-based Twitch channel, and that is also like a great part of it too and where we have plans to cast more and more games and we're going to try to you know get some good ones we've got like a the overlay will be the same for wipe for yavin base but um the uh sponsors are have expanded there's a lot of prizes now i think there's like 800 dollars in prizes between the top eight finishers so there's a lot of really cool things that are going to be added to it so if you're listening to the sound of our voices and you haven't signed up you should go to invaderleague.com. We'll just go ahead and just full on plug it. So you know, still sign up. There's still places you can um you can get to. I know people are gonna have to drop, so you know, just uh, just go sign up. Yeah, it's really fun. It's um, it's it's good for me because I got two young kids and like a lot of my playtime is limited until after they go to bed. So it's an easy way for me to get practice in. Um, you know, nothing's as fun as the real table, but. Uh, I had a great experience last time, and I'm I'm planning on doing it again. So, um, so that is the first housekeeping bit. You guys got anything else on Invader League? Uh, if you don't sign up, just come hang out in Twitch chat, man. Super fun, especially because the players that are playing don't get to see what you're saying, so you get to kind of like you know, be 
kind of poke fun and stuff, and then they get to go back and watch it afterwards. It's fun. <laughs> good, good natured. Good natured. Yes, hope. absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, but it's just a, a good community hanging out and chat. Yep, mm-hmm. for sure. All right. So the second is just uh, we've had this reminder the last couple episodes, but uh, the hour is nigh. Your LCQ Adepticon lists are due tomorrow. Well, actually, by the time you hear this podcast, it will be tonight at midnight. So that is the 19th. Um, so if you haven't gone in there and submitted your list, get in there and submit your list. It's in, uh, it's in TTO. Um, the links have been floating around the various Adepticon locations, Facebook, Discord, etc. So make sure you get your list in and paint your dudes. Yep, paint your dudes. Yep, I did I'm, some of that uh, today, actually. I was painting my Pathfinders. They're, they're almost done. Soon, soon my preciouses will be ripping up sniper strike teams with uh, deadly precision, and we'll be doing it fully painted. Are you? Well, we can t- we can talk about this in the next segment. But um, yes. So yeah, I've I've been also doing some painting. I've been doing some airbrush shortcuts. So hopefully they don't look terrible. We'll see. Yeah. So quick aside. Um, where did you get your airbrush and how much do you like it? Uh, I love it. Um, it's, it's actually a couple of years ago now. Uh, so I don't remember. It was online somewhere. My, my wife actually got it for me as a birthday present. It was the coolest birthday present ever. Um, so I would pers- if you're, this is a slight painting aside, but, uh, this is actually not the one that I use, but, uh, I would personally recommend, like, if you want to get into airbrushing, you go out and get a um, Patriot Badger. That's what it's called. Um, that's the easiest one to use and also the easiest one to clean, which is important. There's a million, like, you know, how to get into airbrushing things out there. But if you're just getting into the hobby, um, you know, you probably want to start with paintbrushes. But if you're to the point where you're, like, looking to experiment with some some quick painting techniques and also do some fancier, like, priming and and stuff like that. Um, I, I'll, you know, ever since I got that airbrush, like I can't go back. It's amazing. So I will plug the airbrush generally. The whole setup, uh, if you want like a decent one, co- probably cost you about 150 to 200 bucks. No, oh, that's with, actually with the, not nearly as bad as I thought it would be. No, it's um, with the compressor and the the brush itself. Um, you know, often like Michaels will sell them. You can get like this 20% off coupons pretty frequently. Oh yeah, you can, find, you can find them online on sale too. I would, I would personally not suggest. You, part of the reason it's like two hundred bucks and not, because you can get an airbrush for less than hundred bucks, um, and not like hundred bucks is, is you do want an actual airbrush compressor. People will tell you that you can use like a tool compressor, but it's not true. Um, so you do want an actual air com- airbrush compressor. But uh, we could talk forever about painting, or at least I could. So. Um, yeah, that's not what we're here to do. <laughs> well, we, we certainly Man, could. I'm gonna have to go find another podcast. Uh, <laughs> well, this is this is a you know this is a hobby too, and yeah. uh, obviously we're talking about painting requirements for Adepticon. So, yeah, uh, I love I love painting. I just you know endless time. I could spend endless time painting stuff. You could spend endless amounts. Of time. <laughs> yes, in fact. Yep. Uh, All right. So you want to launch? Should we launch into games played? Yeah, let's talk about what uh what games were played this week and any any lessons we gleaned from these games. 
you played online with um, uh, Zach Barry from yep. Jetta Journal. Yep. His uh, yeah. So he's he's Zach Barry on the Discord. He's also Grand Admiral Thrawn, but he writes that uh, Jetta Journal blog, which is new-ish. Um, some pretty good articles up there on rebels, rebel tactics and stuff. Um, but yeah, we played on Saturday on TTS. Uh, he was running Jin Luke, which was good because I needed some practice against Jin. Some more yeah, practice. I'm curious about that too. I've ran it and it wasn't as successful as I thought it would be with it. But how did it go? So uh, I ended up winning. He, We did play Recover. Ah. Um, it was in the third slot, so he could force it. And um, I probably would have actually even done what you did last weekend, Mike, which is just not veto it because I wanted to practice specifically against that scenario. Yeah. So I was actually happy for that to be the situation. Um, I also got uh, advanced positions, which I actually think you should probably be cutting if you run um, Jin Luke uh, for the reasons which I will get into. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, actually it was hostile environment, I think was the condition. So and I was running my, um, you know, the list I've talked about already, uh, Wonder Twins, which is Luke Leia with four Z sixes of fleet, two snipers, and Pathfinders with Pow. Pow. So you're not you're not playing the Wookiees, you're playing the Pathfinders right now. Well, at the moment, that's what I'm practicing, just because I'm so comfortable with the Wookiees. I don't I don't feel like I need to, you know, I I need this I need to see if these Pathfinders are. I haven't decided yet what I'm taking for Adepticon. If that's if that's the ultimate question you're asking. <laughs> yes, that is the ultimate question I'm asking. I am currently planning on painting both of them and putting both of them in the car. So um, I I still have not decided yet, but I've definitely been enjoying Pathfinders. So if I hide your Wookiees well, on the way, you won't have a choice? That's what you're saying? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um well, let me typical, finish talking about this. Typical Imperial <laughs> scooping the Wookiees up and hauling them away for cheap labor, for no, for slave labor. God. Yeah, let, let me finish this recap, and then I'll I'll ask you what you think I should play. Uh, but uh, so we did recover. He dropped Jen on the box. Uh, I uh, deployed my other stuff, and I dropped Luke and used an, a uh, scout one move from advanced positions to get a little bit closer to Jen. Um, I have been running him on Recon, uh, with Recon Intel, but I had switched to Stims just because I missed it too much, and you can actually, in a pinch, you can get the same effect with No Time for Sorrows. So, um, anyway, he played Rebellious uh, and ran away with the box. Uh, one, one movement away, he ended up uh, just a little bit past range 2 of Luke, which was actually to my benefit. Because then I was able to like hold Luke till near the end of the round and activate him, and then I um, I just double moved and uh, pulled Jin back into melee with Luke. So this is the this is the the force push slingshot that we talked about when we first talked about Jin and Pathfinders. Um, and then second turn I played uh, Son of Skywalker. Uh, recovered force pusher again closer to my lines into a more advantageous position and then moved and charged um, and killed her so um, it ended up basically turning the the box grab situation on his head and uh, i had three boxes and jen was dead so um, it kind of snowballed from there because i just kind of you know pulled that back and then turtled up um yeah i mean you killed her second hero on turn two or his second hero on turn two i mean that's that's massive 
Yeah. So um, my takeaway there was like, if, if you're doing a gin box grab um, and I, obviously I think he realized this immediately as, as it happened, but if you're doing like a gin box grab, make sure that you are exactly range two away from the unit that is threatening you in this case, Luke, so that you can get that second move uh, when they activate, because if they jump into your range two, you know, you're not going to be able to take that move. They have to actually start at range two of Jin. So even if it means like moving slightly less far, you know, away from your opponent's lines, you, you want to make sure that you can trigger that uh, second move from Rebellious. So um, I think actually if he had done that, you know, it would have been a box chase in reverse. Um, and that would have been pretty tough. I had some backup plans as far as like going after his secondary boxes, like we talked about last week. Um, but it ultimately ended up not being necessary. I, I have a question. Yep. So, okay, let's say both both players bring infiltrate, and you're blue. Um, if you know that the box grab is like a tactic on the table, do you necessarily feel forced to infiltrate first to deny his infiltrate? So if you're if you're playing recover. Yeah, yeah. If you're playing recover and both parties have infiltrate units, whatever they are, pathfinders, gen, whatever. Uh, I think the answer to that is ye yes. If you have gin and no, if you don't. Yeah, I think that's the short answer. I don't think you try it with pathfinders. I I think that there's a couple important factors there. The first is that if you both have infiltrating gins, it's somewhat likely one of you is not playing Luke. Um, clearly, yes. whoever that is probably has an advantage. Or whoever does have Luke, rather, has an advantage. Um, but the Pathfinders are just they're just going to get shredded. They don't have Rebellious, so they don't get that second move on the first turn. Um, and the other thing is that like <clears throat> your opponent's Pathfinders are just going to be set up to, to, to murk you still. The one thing you can do, like suppose you have Pathfinders and your opponent has Jin, and and you actually won the bid in your blue player, you know you mm -hmm. probably don't want to drop them in that middle box and try and run off with it. If depending on terrain, obviously, like if there's a situation where you can safely jump behind some line of sight blockers or something, and you're not going to get run down by Jin with Rebellious, then maybe you can try that. But um, you know you can deploy them a little bit further up just to hedge out. Uh, you know, your opponent dropping Jin on that box because it, you know, they got to deploy range three away from your units, which includes your your pathfinders if you advance deploy them. So, okay, so you like maybe just try to zone it off and not like full blown commit to the dropping adjacent to the center. You just drop in some hard cover at an intermediate point and then just prevent it. Right. Yeah, I think you also probably want to try and cover your quote-unquote safe boxes with wherever you place them as well if you can mm. um right yeah so that's actually that brings up an interesting tactical point which we talked a little bit about in the pathfinder episode but just like if you if if both of you have infiltrate units and you're the first person to, to do a drop you may actually want to you know typically we've been saying like on non-recover scenarios you want to hold your infiltrate unit until late until you have sort of an idea of where your opponent is putting their their guys, especially if you can maybe sneak like a, a sniper range four uh, shot in there. But if your opponent also has infiltrate units, you know the first the first person to 
put an infiltrate unit somewhere in the middle of the table is going to hedge out like a large area of the table. So this is this is actually a concept also from 40k with um, those that are familiar with Space Marine Scouts, which can do something very similar. And generally speaking, like those are the at least in 40k, since everything deep strikes, uh, those are like the first units that you drop so that you can you know hedge out the portion of the board that you want. Basically, you're claiming a portion of the of the table for your infiltrate unit. Obviously, you want to put them in a relatively safe spot so they don't get shot. But you know, like if you have if you both have pathfinders and you don't want your your opponent dropping their pathfinders in a specific spot, drop yours there first. You know, so obviously there's disadvantages to that too. You're showing your hand by putting your pathfinders down, but you know you're also hedging out the board, so you just got to decide what's more important. Yeah, I mean it's like a, it's a balance thing, right? You got to figure out which is the riskier play and not take that road. Yep. I mean, generally tossing the the pathfinders down to zone stuff out is going to be pretty safe because they'll probably be ha- about halfway between the deployment zones, mm-hmm. so you can always kind of like back up if you need to. Yep, and they have good range. So I've actually had so the last two games that I've played with pathfinders, I have not lost a single pathfinder mini, which I feel like should be some kind of achievement. <laughs> actually, yeah, because danger sense is while good is not that good. Yeah, um, that's it's pretty good. It is good, but there are also a couple games. I feel like them and fleet troopers get focused a lot. Like there are a couple games where I've actually survived with all my fleet troopers, and I feel like that should be like a steam achievement or something. Well, there's good reason, right? Because those are the units that decline the most in power per wound. Right. Um, but anyway, I in the last two games I've played them pretty conservatively. Like I've still advanced deployed them, but in a spot that was you know like on a on a flank or something, not directly engageable by my opponent just like at a good angle to an important spot of the board. Um, and it's, it's been pretty helpful. I feel like this is actually like one of the first units that <laughs> Rebels have to play a little bit more like Boba Fett to some degree. Like they just kind of want to be skirting around the flanks at like range three, you know, bobbing out of range four and three instead of two and three. Um, but I don't know. There's a lot of similarities now that I've seen them on the on the table. Oh, I completely yeah. agree. I had to, um, you know, maybe maybe we can, if if you're done talking about your game, Kyle. I mean, we can segue into that. But in my game, I had to try to kite a unit of officer fleets with my pathfinders to avoid just getting blown the hell away. And that was exactly what I was doing. Was what you mentioned, um, Mike, which was, you know, shooting at three, ducking into four. Then they can't. Then they have to like try to double move to get to get a hold of me, and of course that makes them vulnerable. So it was kind of like that same sort of thing where you're just playing the playing the range game and trying to avoid getting blown up and using your leveraging your range four over a short range unit and not dying to their their short range firepower. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that was part of my takeaway also. Because um, obviously I was I, I was able to put myself in an early defensive situation, and there was no pressure to move my pathfinders up. I took quite a few range four shots, sort of as as he was moving up. Um, Zach did do a pretty good job of, you know, to, to like in a box chase situation, pressuring one of my other boxes, um, you know, and trying to salvage the situation. But uh, anytime you're like down an activation and you're forced into attacking after that, it's tough. So definitely. Um, 
So yeah, credit to Zach, and I think next time he will uh, make sure that if he if he tries the Jin box grab again to leave her at range two of the of the threatening unit. Um, that's all I got for that's a, that's the only game I managed this week. All right. Well, I can talk about the two games I played this weekend. Um, I played against uh, Han Shui Double Rotary. That was my first game. I, I'm playing pretty much your exact list. Um, except that I think I dropped esteemed leader for a bid rather than um, take a no bid. I don't know what you what you ended up going with for a bid or if you decided to go with no bid at all. Um, no, it's, I think we have the exact same list at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> I, I love that you dropped it. I think esteemed leader is wicked overrated. Yeah, I, I'm starting to come to that conclusion as well. Um. Not that esteemed is bad necessarily, but uh, the more I play, uh, the more I realize just how precious my trooper lives actually are. Yep. And you can't really in a in a situation where you're taking five core with just heavy weapons, you can't really afford to waste a single wound. No. On keeping Leia alive, especially when like the units that you're essentially guardian off of with a steam leader, they're they're still at a hundred percent capacity and efficiency until their wounds take over to zero. Um, You're referring to like the Z6 or? No, or like, like for instance, Leia oh. is just as good on one wound as she is on six. She, yes. she dies to one shot, but she can still do literally all the same things. If you oh, yeah. had steamed those five wounds off onto other squads, they would not have the same functionality. Oh yeah, that's a point well taken. Um, there's a situation in the second game which exactly describes what you're referring to and I'll, I'll get to that in just a moment um, but in this first game I, I was reminded just of, of just how strong rotaries actually are um, but also the Pathfinder's got a good chance to show off what they can do against Danger Sense um, so it was advanced positions um, recover I managed to get recover but instead of dropping my Pathfinders on the center I decided to be a little bit more conservative just because um just because the the center box was up elevation and that kind of ruined everything. Plus, it was minefields, so I thought to myself, "Well, this is really silly. If I go get my pathfinders killed by a mine, this doesn't seem very smart." Um, so basically, I sent Luke to get the middle box, and the pathfinders didn't really do a whole lot of infiltrating. No strike teams to speak of, so they were kind of just a a heavy defensive unit. Um, I think, or, or Kyle, I think you referred to them as the unit embodiment of the Z6 at one point, just because they have so many white dice at range three. Um, and they have, the, they surge, which is nice, but it's, there's somewhere between a Z6 and a fleet uh, in that regard. Um, so he's playing Han Shui. Uh, he played a, an interesting play with Reckless Diversion, but he left his token on Shui a little too long and Shui just ate a bunch of wounds. And I had a moment there also where Luke um, had to go early because I improv once and then immediately drew him, which sucks. Got to shuffle better, I guess. Um, so I had to go up there with Luke. There was a Rebel Trooper unit next to Chewbacca on top of the, the center building. And in hindsight, this was incorrect, although I think I was just being greedy. Uh, there was room enough for Luke to double move, touch the box, and then yank this Rebel Trooper unit into contact with him. 
or sorry, not a double move. He was gonna he was gonna jump up there and grab the box, but Chewie was there, and I didn't want either Chewie to charge me or get killed by other units that hadn't gone yet. So I jumped up, force pushed his guys into melee with me, and then stood by, so that if Chewie so Chu will, will spend his activation box grabbing me and not charging me. And it was a situation where I had the box and five rebel troopers surrounding Luke, so Luke was completely bubbled. Uh, so no chance to be in melee with Luke, no chance for Luke to get shot. It was like the dream scenario for that. And the standby let me sort of delay Luke's attack so that I'd be safe for at least another activation um, from being shot. And, of course, off the standby, you know, Chewie goes and grabs the box on the standby, I roll six hits. The entire enemy squad dies. Next turn, um, Son of Skywalker, blow up Chewbacca. Like, it just was kind of elementary after that. But the, I gotta say, I was reminded of the power of the rotary cannon. Um, I had a rotary roll five crits into my Pathfinders in heavy cover. And thankfully, the paths had Danger Sense fully charged, and they only lost two models, which was kind of nice. You're rolling eight dice at that point, and to dig three saves out of eight dice is well, it's close. It's a little bit above average, right? Because not three out of nine would be dead average. Yeah, I so, mean, I think it's close enough that it's probably a wash. Yeah, that's a very reasonable outcome in that scenario. Yeah, so I was able to dig some saves there, and it, it felt it felt really good just to get those saves out and to show the pathfinders could just resist a shot like that. But I gotta say, like once the pathfinders lose their lose their friends, I mean, Pow is kind of cool, but He's only got two dice. He can't really break cover anymore unless he crits. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, how do I use POW once he's on his own? I think that's another challenge. Um, that's just kind of like a worst case scenario. Like generally speaking, you don't want your Pathfinders to die ever if you can avoid it. But sometimes you just can't because of the way the game falls out. And, you know, I need to keep them here because they're defending against this, you know, Z6 unit. But here's this flanking, um, this flanking rotary that's just kicking my ass. And um, but I think they handled it pretty well, all things considered. Um, I did lose a full squad of rebel troopers to a second rotary, which was kind of miserable. That didn't feel very good. So yeah, uh, just just always be in cover. Just never like run out of cover in front of a rotary cannon if you're rebels. It's just bad. Don't don't do that. Um, well, in front of anything, really. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, in front of anything, but especially not a rotary. Yeah, like, yeah, they'll just mulch you. Yeah, this is dream. That's dream for the rotary right there. But um, eventually, Chewie died. I got the third box. Eventually, we overcame opposition and managed to win the game. Uh, Leia decided to come out swinging and kill the rebel trooper squad by herself over two activations, just you know, rolling three hits. I, I gotta say, man, like natty hits with Leia are just the stupidest thing ever. It's like, oh, move, shoot, oh, lose three guys. <laughs> like, wow. I mean, her gun's pretty good. I I walk up and like take a triple weight die shot with General Veers, and I feel like sometimes that's too good. I can't imagine what it would feel like rolling three black dice. As opposed to yeah, three black dice with surge crit, <laughs> sharp two. Yeah. Leia the Slayer. That's yeah. that's her nickname at the store now. <laughs> so so that game, I mean, it was still pretty close because um, I think I had a single fleet trooper with a box that would have died to the rotary that didn't get killed by Luke, the second rotary that didn't get killed by Luke. But he managed to we managed to game initiative to the point where I was able to run to safety and then just hold on to all three till the end. 
So second game was against Hanlea Airspeeder. I think my opponent was kind of just taking something fun. But it was still triple snipers. And um, I managed to get Disarray on intercept. And, or no, it was a Disarray KP, not intercept. So this is like perfect, right? I can, I can infiltrate with my pads. I can kill off strike teams with, with near abandon, even through a reckless diversion. Because you can just go to places where you can't shoot Hong. You just don't have the range. And um, I think by turn two, all of his strike teams had been eliminated. And I had both of mine still. Which you know kind of just wrapped things up. Plus it was against an airspeeder. So that was a lot of his activation padding. But um, that game, Luke uh, decided not to save, <laughs> essentially. Um, he grabbed Han on turn three, I think, in melee, and Leia joined in the melee, and they actually brawled Luke down over a su over successive turns. <laughs> just because I was busy holding on to Son of Skywalker for, like, the crucial moment, I was just a little bit too conservative. And... Um, it was it was a little bit silly. Luke rolled eight saves that game and failed six of them. <laughs> like eight red dice were rolled and he failed six out of eight, even with deflect active. That's the best kind of Luke Skywalker. I know that's like that's your favorite kind, the Luke that can't save. Yep, totally. Because <laughs> so much of Luke's strength is his saves. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was kind of neat. Uh, Leia with the martial arts, man. So, but uh, I think I, I was gonna mention earlier. Um, I had a point where Leia was going to make like a pretty heroic play. There was an officer fleet that was starting to just murder my pathfinders on one of my KP and Leia had already played both of her command cards. And so in a stroke of, of greed, she was like on, on two wounds, I think at that point, cause she'd been targeted by some other units in the, in the game at that point she was already taking wounds. And so I was like, okay, well I've played both of her command cards. I played no time for sorrows and I played, bombard now i'm just gonna send her into this unit of fleets and try to trade up or, or sorry not trade up but trade down officer fleets are 86 and leia's uh, 100 with improv and i was kind of okay with losing improv at that point because i was pretty far ahead and we, she, she just ran in there and got killed but she did manage to take some fleets with her and weaken them enough so that they couldn't actually kill my pathfinders in time and then those those uh, remaining fleets got wiped out by snipers. So that was a pretty fun fun conclusion there. But it was a willingness to sort of sacrifice your commander once their command cards have been played. Then they, then you can be aggressive and maybe be a little bit greedy. It was the kind of player where it was like, I'm going to run forward, shoot, and then bombard and just do all the damage in one turn and just gain a bunch of tempo that way. So, and yeah, that's a good thing. You can shoot and bombard in the same turn if you... If, some new players are listening and don't know that you can do that. That's one of the strongest ways to use Leia on her bombard turn if you get COP'd out of it or delay it on purpose because it's just a not a good time. Um, it was an interesting an interesting game, but um, the last point I'll just make, and this is not news, the air speeder is still terrible. <laughs> like it shot a few times, it dealt some wounds, but it just couldn't it couldn't penetrate cover. Nah, too many surges. It needs sharpshooter too, man. It needs sharpshooter or it needs surge crit. It needs something. Or to, surge to get its hit offense. would be fine too. <laughs> yeah, heck, even surge hit, surge hit would be fine. It doesn't really need surge crit. It's got impact three. So surge hit would be would be delicious. You know, that way you could actually murder things in cover. Yep. That'd be, it'd be terrifying in Rebel 1 Rebel. 
it's immune yes. to melee, <laughs> which is also really cool. Mm-hmm. So it's just it would just be so much better if it had surge to hit, and then you just pay points for a uh, for the buzzer as well. That would actually make the buzzer half decent as decent too, because you could still get you could get a four hit rollout much more easily on the buzzer and not have to waste your aim aiming the buzzer. Yeah, it would definitely help. I, th- I think it would still be um, probably too expensive to be. Like that's the thing, and I guess we'll see where the weapon costs on the X. This is a total tangent on the the X thirty four come out, but like even if it's like an offensive powerhouse, if you're spending, you know, what's the what's the airspeeder now one seventy five? You throw the buzzer on there one ninety five. Even with like surge, yeah. if you're spending almost two hundred points on something with, um, you know, that still like dies to a stiff breeze, uh, it it almost doesn't matter how. Um, you know how good that offense is, but yeah, I mean, 175, right? That's that's two rotary RTs, right? That's so many points. Yeah, that's a lot of points. There's a lot of things that you could get for that many points. That's Luke, that's Luke. That's Luke with force push and Jedi mind trick. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, that was a total tangent, but old, old wounds, old wounds. Yep. <laughs> is what that is. Uh, so yeah, those are those are the games I played, and um, uh, the lessons learned is that you can delay you can delay Luke's melee attack with a standby because you're engaged and you can, you won't get it shot off of you as a way to protect him from being shot by other units in the turn if he has to go early. It's just kind of a neat little thing, and if he's it's most convenient if he's got a unit near him that hasn't uh, hasn't activated, they can pull in to defend himself with, and then once uh, once something near him that he can see does anything near that melee, then he can swing and do his attack at a safer time. Yep. Don't forget, you can also, you know, like if, if the unit that you pull in hasn't gone yet, and suppose they use their activation to withdraw, um, you can use a standby to take a move action. And it is a move action, so you can also take a charge attack after that. So, um, Yep. They're yeah. basically forced to punch you at that point, right. which is kind of nice. Yeah, which still can hurt if you don't have a dodge token. Uh, yeah, definitely. Especially against stormtroopers who surge. So <laughs> don't underestimate the punching. I've in one of one of my early games, I underestimated the punching power of stormtroopers, and they literally punched Luke to death. I mean, they're um, better at melee than they are with their guns. Like yeah. just, just <laughs> I think even with the DLT, like they're just better. Um, yeah. Yeah, those black dice with surge and melee. Um, and they're usually getting a name token, so they're usually re-rolling three of them. You know, precise is not just uh, <laughs> not just for ranged attacks. Oh yeah, and speaking of uh, countering withdraw, uh, no time for sorrows is the exact same speed as a withdraw. So if you have that in your in your hand and Leia's near you, uh, feel free to no time for sorrows right back into melee with them and um, murder them. Seems good. Yep. Yeah, you can't use it to actually take a withdrawal action, but you can definitely use it to. You know, if you're so, not engaged to catch catch a unit that just withdrew. Yep. Um, Mike, did you play any games this week that you want to talk uh, about? The only game I played involved a Rebel Trooper unit that had five, five Z6s, four Z6s in it. So. Oh, you played Deep Jungle? No, we were playing Gathering Legions, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> and my... Uh, my triple inquisitor list was facing off against AGS, AJST's uh, Bayes Chirrut list, which had nice. a 
heroic rebel trooper squad called the Temple Guardians, and he. So I don't think this is how this actually works, but we played it this way just because I think that that was the idea. So he he upgraded his rebel trooper squad so that it costs like two hundred and fifty points. It was an eight man unit with four Z sixes in it, and he gave the Z sixes suppressive. Um, we played cool. it that the suppressive was cumulative. I don't think that that's actually how that works. Um, it's it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like that that was clearly his intent. Um, yeah. But uh, so every time it shot, it laid down five suppression tokens. I manhandled it with a 40, uh, 48 point uh, snow trooper unit, <laughs> which is like uh, they steadied, shot it, and then walked into melee, and then he withdrew the next turn, and then I steadied, shot it, and walked into melee. It was. So steady, steady. So good. it's very good. It's very good. Um, so anyways, uh, that, that's the game I played. Um, okay. So it's not exactly. Sounds fun. It was, it was a wicked fun. So uh, I want to, before we hit snipers, I want to revisit our earlier question. Uh, cause David, I'm sure you're having the same struggle. Uh, what mm-hmm. should we play for Adepticon? Oh man, I am really digging the Pathfinders. Um, mainly just just because I there's two large reasons that I have for playing paths over Wookiees. Number one is durability. Um, That's interesting I mean, because I, I find Wookiees still to be much more durable. Really? Yeah, it's 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 a little weird. It's a little weird, right? They, they're they're durable in different ways. So Pathfinders are. You know, they resist ranged fire and they especially resist like chip shots. That's their best their best uh, scenario is when they're, you know, rolling a full danger sense against like the one crit that managed to get through cover. Um you know, Wookiees can't say the same. They're trying to leverage their health in that regard. Um, but again, like that's just superior value if they chip a wound off a Wookiee from like a crappy little squad that barely has anyone left. Um, the second big reason is the, sorry, there's actually three reasons I think about it. Second big reason is flexibility. Like just the, the ability to shoot out to range four is so nice. And their damage at range three is pretty good. And range is kind of king still to me, even on tables that are, you know, tables are, I think there's a trend to more heavily line of sight block tables. And so this may change um, just to, just to vary the game. Cause you know, obviously we've known this since we started playing competitive Legion, the more open the board is the high, more heavily it favors ranged weapons. Um, and especially ATST. Uh, so there's the, there's the ability to, to do damage at range. And then there's the third idea, which is if I'm investing points in a unit, I want to, make sure it's doing something to help me win the attrition war and Wookiees are not like directly helping me do that at least in the first two three rounds um they're definitely helping me win the game but i have to create a situation where they will cause a win or contribute to a win i don't necessarily have to engineer that so much with the pathfinders and if i do have the opportunity to engineer that it's like right at my fingertips I'm not waiting for my opponent to make a mistake or my opponent to suffer enough wounds for my Wookiees to now, now it's time for you guys to go in there. 
like the paths are pretty much always going to be useful from the start of the game to the end of the game and the Wookiees, not so much, especially against Empire. I think that's kind of my big, my big problem with them is, you know, and again, I think it's just the unit doesn't really work with me and, you know, what I see is valuable. But then again, you know, some people are really into the Wookiees and I love the models and I wish I could use them more, but I just haven't been able to make them work. Like I'm making the Pathfinders work now and I'm, I'm content with the Pathfinders, I think, at this point. I don't know if that helps you make a decision because you're really good at Wookiees. Um, uh, yeah. I, I have the cop-out, which is like, I suck at Wookiees. I'll take these instead. <laughs> you know? I, I do love my Wookiees. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm probably leaning like 60-40 Pathfinders, but I'm not, I'm not sold yet. Um, I, I find the Wookiees to be tougher. Uh, obviously, they're a better linebacker unit so like if if something like luke which i anticipate we're going to see a lot of gets into your lines you can use the wookies to deal with him instead of having to divert your own luke um you know against rebel opponents they're obviously great in melee against empire that pierce is is great at range they they will do more damage once you get into range two than pathfinders will um they're just they're just a beefier unit in general um, but I have really been enjoying Pathfinders for all the reasons you stated. Range four firepower. They have very solid dice at range three. You know, you can drop them wherever you want them, even if it's not like a splashy play to to grab an objective or take a sniper team out. You can still forward deploy them in a in a useful spot uh, where they're also safe, which is great. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I think I'm probably leaning sixty forty Pathfinders, but I, I really do love my Wookies. So it's it's. Uh, uh, I think I was, um, you know, I, like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna paint both of them, and I'm gonna bring both of them, and I'm probably not gonna know which one I'm gonna pick until, <laughs> until uh, Saturday morning. So, we'll I'm only playing games with the Pathfinders at this point, so it's pretty much sealed for me. It's what I've played recently and what I'm learning how to do. And mm-hmm. I used to be really down on them, and I think I've, I think I've found, you know, what I have to know to make them work. They are not an easy unit to use, and neither are the Wookies. But that's the, I think that's the point. I just feel like if I'm paying 114 points, I better get some value out of that unit, or else I should have just taken a, a sixth core trooper and another strike team because those are pretty immediately useful. Mike, as a as an empire player, and as more specifically, at least currently, a Veer's Bubble player, which would you rather, uh, which would you rather not face? between the two please for the love of god put those wookies on the table because i will destroy them every time um okay <laughs> i yeah i the pathfinder scared the living bejesus out of me frankly uh <clears throat> they're so one of the one of the things about empire generally is outside of you know sniper fire we've got a pretty big advantage on you guys when it comes to range i think pathfinders um has the ability to turn that on its head a little bit um, you know, two red dice at range four is enough for some chip shots outside of cover, but like a full Pathfinder squad at range four can actually do some damage if they like aim and stuff. Uh, um, especially if they got Biston. Um, whereas the Wookies, I just like they're dead by the time I'm done with playing coordinated fire. Like, I just it's so easy to just. Like coordinated fire, I just have to have two units shoot at your Wookiees, and there's like two to three Wookiees dead. I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, you definitely like wikis definitely require um, at least the way I play them. Generally, I hold them in reserve until at least turn three. Yeah. Uh, just so that, like, literally, just straight up out of line of sight, um, and then I I wait for stuff to come to them, or I use force push to pull stuff around corners so that they can shoot it. Um, and maybe that's another reason not to use them is that they're sort of like Vader. They're a they're a turn four to six high impact unit, right? Yeah. So right. So you know, if you're if you're not getting there, then I don't know. Maybe that's another reason to use Pathfinders because Pathfinders are very very clearly a uh, like early turn order stacked impact. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, generally speaking, this is kind of the play style I like to play, but um, I'm all about that early damage, right? Like you want, you want to snowball the game as quickly as possible in, in a tournament setting, clearly. So the, the more damage you're doing, the earlier you're doing it is, you know, if, if all of your units aren't effective on turn one or two, uh, I don't know. That's yep. It just that doesn't yeah. feel worth it. I get me. you. Yep, I get you guys. All right, you wanna you wanna talk snipers and then maybe transition into Bosk and Sabine real quick. Yeah, yeah, we got some. We're we, I think we can hit both if we if we go if we go quick. Yeah. All right. So snipers, uh, sniper strike teams are very popular as they. Newsflash. This should be. We, uh, yeah, this, this the, the real hard hitting analysis here, folks. Um, you heard it here first. Snipers are good. More um, eleven. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's this stat. Uh, I finally got, by the way, part two of the LVO data analysis article out. So if you haven't read that, check it out at swlegionodds.com. Uh, my goal was to get it out before Winds of Winter was released, so I, I think I'm good. Um, anyway, uh, so one of the nuggets from doing that was that out of the 62 lists at LVO, 42 of them had sniper strike teams. And those lists went, uh, so this is win-loss. Uh, they had 94 wins and 77 losses. Okay. So that's basically pretty decent. Um Lists without sniper strike teams were 31 and 48. So that would be the inverse of that. Um, I also isolated, there were 54 matches. So that's a pretty decent size, uh, sample size, where one player had sniper strike teams and one player did not have sniper strike teams. And in those instances, the player with sniper strike teams went 36 and 18. So two to one, essentially. Um, I don't want to like make any causal uh conclusions from that but i, I think the, i think the stat you know you can draw whatever conclusions you want um but uh i've i've tried lists without sniper strike teams in them and i just i, I don't know whether it doesn't fit my play style or what but they're just not as good at least for well, me. You, you miss them you miss I, yeah them. totally I, I miss them more than so i've you know i've talked on past episodes about that um you know, Han, Chewie, sorry about the barbecue list. Like, they're the thing. Like, I miss them more than Luke in that list. I know that's... <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Blasphemy! <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, but, blasphemy. Um, I, I think I miss the, the snipers more than I miss Luke when I'm running that list. I'm, I mean, I believe um, that. Yeah. 
I, I mean, they... I haven't played a list without a sniper strike team until like yesterday when I played Gen Saboteurs, and I definitely missed them. Then I was like, oh man, where's my piercing shots? Yeah, I mean, they're good for so many reasons, right? They're cheap, so they're they're a good way to pad your activation count. I, I think that's their um, main advantage. Well, uh, yes. I don't know. It's definitely a significant advantage. Um, They pad your activation count, and they can go first at long range to save your shorter range stuff for later in the round. That's that's like the double whammy, I think. Right, so that's like part two of activation count, right? Right now, besides core units and characters, the the most popular thing to run and probably the most effective thing to run are special forces units. In our case, for Rebels, we've talked a lot about uh, Wookiees and Pathfinders. Obviously, for Empire players, you got IRG, and hopefully at some point, uh, you know, in the Lux Millennia, uh, Death Troopers. Um, so they essentially, like, you know, if you pull a special forces token early in the round and you don't want those Wookiees to go yet, then you can just use that on a on a sniper team. So they essentially, like, insulate, you know, your hard-hitting special forces unit, the, the one that you have from, like, a bad early pull uh, of a token. And you know they're they tend to be like, generally speaking, timing neutral. Uh, we've talked I think before about like activation order and when you want when you want to activate things. It's always helpful to have things where you basically don't care when they activate. Uh, and I think sniper strike teams fall into that category for the most part. Um, you know, unless yes. they're in like immediate danger for some from something. But... One one caveat is if your opponent outnumbers you and is making a deliberate attempt to kill your strike teams, that's when going first matters. Oh, right. for sure. Yeah, and yeah, and there definitely are situations, like if you're engaged in a sniper war, you know, with a player that has more long-range shooting, um, then you want them to go early, or if they're in immediate danger. But like generally speaking, you can kind of just wait until you pull their token and then throw it down and be like, all right, now I'm going to activate the sniper, and you're, you're totally comfortable with, you know, whenever you pull that token. No, that is definitely true against someone not running it. Like the, the inverse situation where they're not mm-hmm. running snipers, you have zero pressure because they don't have infinite range weaponry, unlike right. you. Yep. Um, and they're also sort of regardless of, of objective, it's it's very unlikely that you're going to just completely hang those points unless unless you get them pasted on the first turn. Um, but yeah. that's pretty, you know, once, once you get used to corner peeking and stuff, it's pretty hard for an opponent to do that. There, um, I can think of a couple other situations, by the way, where you can hang them. And the the number one situation I think is against melee. If melee hits your lines early, then you're hanging them. And if yeah. if they if they reckless diversion you into Chewbacca, you can also hang them a little bit. Right. But those are the those are the only cases that I can really think of hanging snipers. Very niche, right? Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, they have infinite range, and they have Pierce and sharpshooter, so. Yeah, yeah even if you're only even if even if like the worst thing that you're doing is throwing down a suppression token at infinite range, like you you're always getting something out of Well this uh, begs the question, like what's the ultimate offensive keyword package? Well Pierce, right, is like number one. And then Sharpshooter is like number two. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's and then they have infinite range. Pretty much Leia's gun, infinite range, that would be the ultimate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, dice aside, uh, Pierce and Sharpshooter, I think, to answer your yeah. question. Pierce, Sharpshooter, and, most... and Surge Crit. Like, yep. Crits with Pierce are essentially like, you know, it's no save, essentially. It's the equivalent. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
So um, how do you guys use your snipers? I mean, we kind of alluded to this already, but. Um, I try to leverage the short side of the board and set up snipers in the corners and try to make angles, like crossing them together. It's always nice to have the short edge kind of dominated, whatever the short edge access I have, because it, it makes it so my opponent can't really hide from me. And uh, I even, I've even used them to back cap intercepts when there's no immediate threat. Um, I've used them to box grab safe boxes before. Not the smartest idea, especially against opposing snipers. It all depends on what the where your opponent's attention is. Um, you know, basically just give your give your opponent something else to shoot at, essentially, that is not your sniper, and then you can use your sniper to do crazy, you know, backfield objective stuff. It's it's really nice too because it's like it it affects the battle, and you can accomplish objectives. You just you just gain tempo. That's the biggest thing I think sniper strike teams allow you to do is just gain tempo. They're, they're a tempo factory. Not only do they, not only can you accomplish non-combat, you know, tasks with them, you can also suppress your opponent, which takes even more tempo away from them. So what do, what do you mean when you say tempo? So tempo, I, you know, even I'm not clear on the definition, but what I, when I say tempo, what I mean is, how far ahead am I in accomplishing what I'm trying to do? And for every activation, you can get a certain number of things accomplished before your opponent gets an opportunity to activate again and and do their turn. And if you can get a lot accomplished out of one activation, you gain what I consider tempo. It just means you have you're just ahead in a lot of ways. And you can, you can, it, it, it kind of stacks up. So like, for example, if I've got a strike team plunging evaporator, I've got a Z6 unit free to just dodge, aim, shoot, whatever. If I've got a strike team holding a box, same deal. You know, so you, you're kind of trying to create situations where you're getting the absolute maximum done per activation that you can. And that's definitely like one way to, you know, gain an edge. So at its most basic level, it's essentially about doing more things than your opponent, whether that's, you know, right. through just like having more units to do things or preventing your opponents from doing things via suppression or eliminating units. Right. And, and what will happen is eventually it will result in situations where you're shooting more and they're not. And that will eventually cause you to win the attrition war. So that's kind of like the fundamental concept here, I think. And. And I mean, it's also the fact that they can affect the battle while they're in the back. That's the best part. So like if I've got a, you know, obviously it's better to, you know, have a naked naked rebel trooper squad, you know, plundering evaporator than it is to have an officer fleet doing it. Or to have Luke doing it, for goodness sake. Um, you know, you'd rather have Luke doing damage or getting a position to do damage rather than taking care of any objective. Unless he's the only one that can do it. Like, for example, Center Box, if you don't run Pathfinders, he's one of the few units that's really good at it. Especially, like, Central Box up elevation, because he's got Jump, which is very unique. There's only two units, now three, that are, have the Jump keyword, because we have Sabine in there now. So, you know, just, just digging, out, digging out the most you can out of each activation, essentially, while denying your opponent the ability to activate as successfully as you are. I think that's coherent. 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with all that. Um, I tend to use them. Like, you, you kind of have to decide early whether you want to actually, like, if, if you both, if you both, you and your opponent have snipers, you kind of have to decide early whether you want to try and eliminate theirs or just ignore them. Um, and if you're doing the former, you're gonna, you're going to try and set up shots, you know, with with the range tools that you have. Whether that's, um, you know, for a rebel player, Pathfinder, snipers, coordinated bombardment, or an Imperial player, your own snipers, uh, maximum firepower. You kind of just have to decide, like, um, you know, if you're going to play that sniper war or not. And if you're not, then you want to set up your snipers in, like, in firing lanes where they're safe from uh, enemy unlimited range weapons, but they can still cover objectives. Um, and then obviously you just want to be you're cognizant of the firing lanes that your opponent is setting up with their snipers. So. Oh yeah, and also um, maybe I should let Mike talk about this because scouts are like the epitome of this. Please don't be afraid to use the normal weapons on these characters with strike teams because they can be extremely threatening. And I've actually seen like two strike teams work in tandem to hold off like some other units that are trying to do objectives without enough support against the strike teams because they're like, oh, it's just two wounds. And it's like, well, actually, I can throw four black dice at you and with correct activation order, I can double tap you. Yeah, I mean, they're overall pretty pretty lethal once you get into range two. Um, you just need to... You, you don't do that unless you are shooting them first. <laughs> yeah, you just don't yeah. do that unless you're absolutely desperate, or, right? Or, or you're just, like, significantly ahead and ready to overpower them i think overall the biggest thing with strike teams is that a couple things a you need to make sure that they're they're one of the last units you're placing in deployment unless you've got a good reason to deploy them early um a and b um you need to make sure that um like you need a game plan for like how turns one through four are going to go. If you don't know what the game plan for the first four turns of the game are going to go for you and your opponent, you're going to have a really hard time, I think, getting bang for your buck on the snipers. Like, um, you need to be able to look across the table and say, okay, they've got two snipers and Leia. I've got Veers and two snipers myself. So what should I do, right? Um, the correct answer, nine times out of ten in that situation, is... Um, you put Veers and both your snipers out of line of sight in a place where um, they'll then be able to, in one one movement, step out, see an enemy sniper, and shoot it. Um, and you'll have General Veers hand them off two aim tokens, one to each squad. And it's like they just stood there and aimed, except your opponent doesn't get to decide when to shoot you because you're behind cover. They've got to shoot one of your other units that aren't doing anything that turn. Um, yeah, th this basic trick, just, just by the way, this basic trick is something Rebel players fear. <laughs> the Veer sniper farm is real. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's a... Your, your win rate, your win rate will go up doing this. I guarantee you. Yeah. It, it likes a lot of times, specifically on the Imperial end of things, you're like looking down at coordinate bombardment and you're like, well, maybe I should just set the snipers up normally and just weather the coordinated bombardment fire. That's like almost strictly wrong. You're going to lose a dude in each team pretty much every time you do that uh and you, you just you need to put them completely outside a line of sight put general veer someplace you can give them aim tokens and just 
dip them out when they're ready. You know, once the enemy snipers are gone or, you know, once coordinated bombardment has happened, you know, if you, if you just like step out, kill a sniper before their sniper got to fire, their sniper now has to move instead of aiming, you know, you're much more advantaged in the sniper war in that, in that regard. Um, so I think the biggest thing with the snipers is you need to construct a plan for a how you're gonna much like Kyle said how you're gonna deal with the opposing like unlimited range units and if you're deciding I think it's pretty much incorrect if there are snipers on both sides of the table to ever choose I'm not gonna play in the sniper war I think that's a recipe for losing I think snipers' main point of being on the table is to cut down enemy activations so that you can start leveraging your higher tier units <clears throat> you know um you both start out at 10 activations whoever's able to shave a sniper unit off first um is now up one if you shave another one off you're now up two activations which then means that oh man my luke can like first last you or my irg can first last you or my boba Fett can first last you um and that's kind of where the snowball occurs with the snipers. The snipers aren't doing the damage. They're just setting you up to do the damage. Right. And so in that way, strike teams are a calculated risk because once you've lost even one model, now you're at risk of losing an activation. If they, if they decide to peak again, that becomes a big problem for you. And so it, it really is kill or be killed if you have enemy snipers across the table. And so I think Mike, I agree with everything Mike said, just be cognizant of, of that situation. And, you know, if you lose a model in each strike team, let's say you brought two and you lose a model in each strike team early, that's really dangerous for you going forward. Yep. And heavy cover is not, you know, at least as far as the sniper war is concerned, like heavy cover is not safety against an opposing sniper. Right. Oh, not they, remotely. they reduce it by one. Um, if there's one like probability number to know for snipers, it's that when you're when you've got an aim token and you're shooting into heavy cover, you still have a sixty percent chance to cause at least one wound, whether that's via rolling two hits or um, you know a crit in there somewhere. That's roughly the same for both the DLT and the DH four four seven. Um, it's a little bit higher for the DLT because you know those black dice when you reroll them, uh, they benefit a little bit more from an aim, but um, it's it's very close to sixty percent in both cases, so that means like if you if you're down to one sniper model, even if you're like up on elevation or you're behind a barricade or something, you've still got a sixty percent chance that that guy's going to get sniped by an opposing sniper that can see him. So um, we talk a lot about corner peeking. Um, I don't know if we've said at least not on this episode specifically what that is. Um, it's a pretty ubiquitous tactic with sniper strike teams, but basically you want to always be hiding that second model via cohesion, the non-sniper model behind some kind of line of sight blocking terrain. And then if, if your sniper model gets eliminated, since he's the unit leader in a strike team, he just essentially replaces the safely located model. Uh, and you also have no chance since models that can't be seen um, by an attacking unit can't suffer wounds. There's also no chance that your sniper strike team at two men is going to get completely wiped by one shot. Uh, you know, whether that's cord bombardment or max firepower or like a lucky, um, you know, opposing sniper shot. So a lucky double crit. Jay yeah. knows this pin. Yeah. Yeah, that's happened to me so many more times than I 
would like to admit. I, I feel like I actually get like really lucky with the sniper double crits. I'm like, mmm, yummy. But it's delicious when it does happen. It helps when you have like six AM tokens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would know about that, wouldn't you? <laughs> Uh, I'm yeah, a so, rebel. I can't fix my dice. <laughs> or, or right. anything. So always be corner peeking is the uh, is is the you know like if there's one thing to know about snipers, that's probably the first thing. First thing. Yeah, no doubt. If if you're not doing that, uh, you're uh, you know, doing it wrong. I actually I've been teaching one of my buddies how to how to play, and I was like, all right, man, you need to get a sniper, a a, a box of scouts because he plays Empire, and. Uh, the first couple of games we played, I was like, so do you want me to like teach you the hard way on how to set up your snipers? Or do you want me to just like let you learn? <laughs> like, how do you want this to go? He's like, I want to learn the hard way. I was like, okay. So he just set his sniper out. Oh, here I go. And I was like, all right, I'm going to maximum firepower them on turn one. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Always be corner peeking. Yeah. Um. You guys got anything else? Um, so do you want to talk about countering? Well, I guess we talked sort of in there about countering snipers. Um, yeah. Other, other unlimited range things, use heavy cover, stay out of line of sight, um, inspire for the suppression. Yeah, I mean, on the Empire side of the table, uh, I would highly recommend uh, most most armies nowadays. Um, this might change when like Death Troopers and stuff come out. But um, if you've got a unit of Imperial Royal Guard, uh, make sure that all of your sniper teams are covered by the Royal Guard protection bubble. It makes the sniper war almost impossible for your opponent to win on, on the first couple turns. It, it, yeah, it's and really that's the situation actually, you know, if your opponent is doing a good job covering their sniper teams with Guardian, that's definitely a situation, like as a Rebel player, where I would probably choose to just not engage in the sniper war at all. Yeah, I mean, it... And that's like one of those times where you're like, oh, I've got to eat through eight health worth of Imperial Royal Guard before I even get to your snipers. Like, unless you roll a crit, obviously, but you can't really count on that. Um, right. So, yeah, it, it's just that that's kind of where the difficulty comes in. Um, but I think it's I think it's still fine. Like, I'll often still bombard with Leia in that case because she does surge crit. So you might end up with that surge anyway. And wounds on Royal Guard are still productive. Oh yeah, um, and uh, you know she obviously doesn't. She's got sharpshooter too. So the fact that that she's she's not going to be losing hits to that corner peaking heavy cover. Um, but like if you've got your own snipers, yeah, you're relying on on crits. So, I mean, Leia is definitely like the hard counter to snipers generally. She's mm-hmm. just really yep. good at it. Yeah, and that's why. I, <laughs> so I can't leave my snipers behind. Uh, I can't leave Leia behind either, and all my various like. Can't leave snipers behind. Can't leave Luke behind. Can't leave Leia behind. What else can't you leave behind? Well, that's, why, that's, uh, that's why I'm playing well, what I'm playing. Yeah, exactly. Same. Like, I don't feel like I have a choice right now just because things are so, they're kind of locked together. Yeah. yeah I just, you know. it, it fits my play style too. You know, it's like I've tried, don't get me wrong. It's not like I just, I just netlisted this and I've only played this. Like I've tried lots of other things and I, I just, <laughs> I end up coming back to it. So I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think anyone needs to. I, they're you know the three probably best units in the game ish. Luke and Leia at least. Yeah. I, 
I can't. I just can't quit the the twins. Can't do it. I wish I knew how to quit you. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, let's talk about these operatives. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we have to do Sabine and Bosk real quick. Um. Yeah. Command so, cards only, though, not stats. Yeah. Well, we've the, the stats have been uh, sort of at least fuzzily known for a while. So. Um, yeah, let's talk some command cards, which are less fuzzily known because they were shown yeah. on the live stream. Why don't we start with Bosk? Um, that would kind of be nice. If you haven't seen the stats on them, go to Tabletop Admiral and take a look because I believe their cards are on there. Yeah, they actually, like, you know, instead of just, like, reading the card, they actually, like, hovered the card in front of the camera on the live stream. So um, uh, that was helpful. Thank you, Luke and Alex, for doing that. Yeah, thanks for showing us those. Uh and that was just generally speaking, that was super fun to watch. You guys should do more. We said that already before. Um, but mm -hmm. yep. Uh, and they also talked about what poison does and what graffiti do. So let's dive into these real quick. Uh, and we, when you guys want to start with Bosk, let's right? just do Bosk. Like, why don't we just do like three, two, one for each, and then we'll start with Bosk. All right. Uh, so yeah. So yeah. Bosk's three pip is lying in wait. Uh, it says, boss gains sharpshooter one. After an enemy unit activates, boss gains one aim token. I think this is the worst command card of the bunch. I think it's still decent, but but I do think it's the worst. Well, I mean, he's got, what, four white dice and a red dice at range four, and he's going to have, like, like eight aim tokens by the end oh, of the yeah, turn. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's no got doubt, a surge no to crap. It's like, it's like one really good shot. It just, I don't know. Um... I'll, I'll, the rest of these cards, like on on both sides of the fence, either have like a really sweet effect, or they like have more than one attack involved, and or like a, allow your unit to take more than one attack. This is just kind of like one really beefy shot, and I'm not saying it's bad. It's just uh, not very splashy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you put this next to like Imperial Discipline, like really, yeah entire legion really um <laughs> heck even the backpack rocket really i mean i i think the backpack rocket is better than this card but oh yeah yeah backpack rocket is my most feared feared <laughs> bubble card actually oh my gosh Personally. yes it's like i'm gonna wipe a unit for free at range three here i go yeah <laughs> yep. um so i think that uh you know we we talked about this a little bit i think that um this might be the first viable target for targeting scopes on a unit yeah no i mean they're just too uh, horrible <laughs> well i mean i think you want stims because of his regen um but that's yeah i could yeah. see it i could see it uh, yeah okay yeah fine i'll go i'll go there with you but i just still think targeting scopes are too bad to use yeah <laughs> i think you still want stims. Yeah. i mean you probably have enough aim tokens on them anyways and you don't need targeting scopes but it's kind of fun um so yeah. here's an interesting thought with this card, just real quick. So I gave Sharpshooter 1, but if I have enough aim tokens to reroll into all surges and crits, does it even well, matter? That's the thing, right? It's kind of like, eh. I mean, I don't know what the stats are. I'm sure that Kyle could probably roll that up. But I think even with Sharpshooter 1, the likelihood that you end up with 5 crits or whatever it is is still pretty low. It's it's higher than it would be without the aim tokens, no doubt. But uh. yeah, it depends on how long you wait, right? Like, I guess I should do like a table. Uh, but at some point, 
you know, with five dice, like you're just re-rolling one dice repeatedly. I guess he surges to um, crit, doesn't he? He he surges to crit. So your chance of getting five crits is actually higher than yeah, you would think. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll run a table. Uh, well, yeah, twenty five percent for die. I guess it's it's yeah. roughly the it, it's very close to is just a Z six with the same number of aim tokens rolling a full hit ish. Except you have a red die instead of a white. And one less die. Anyways. Yeah, yeah I guess kind of. Because you're, you're looking at a 2 out of 8, right? Yep. Yeah, with search yeah. crit. Yeah. Um, Alright, well, that's an unimpressive and uninteresting command card. Well, moving on. <laughs> um, Reptilian Rampage uh, buffs 2-pip. Uh, this one I, I think is actually splashy. During boss's activation, he can perform up to two attack actions, and he may suffer one wound to perform a free move action. Um, so the first thing I'd like to say is, please, for the love of God, uh, stop making us Imperials suffer wounds to do cool things. <laughs> the second thing... Uh, yeah, but he's he's got he's got a lot, and he regenerates, he and no it's a free but, move action yeah, plus Son of Skywalker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> turn on I just like you guys get like Son of Skywalker, we get like implacable, which is good. It's just like we have to pay extra for it. And you're... Yeah. yeah, but now you have implacable with tenacity that only takes one activation. Like that's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, we still have to attack. We still have to suffer. I don't know. In any case, um, you can run Palt Bosk and triple tap. Yeah. Uh... It, it is cool. it is cool you're i mean you're not wrong um i think that the wound on him in, in this case is actually fairly negligible because regenerate and stuff um yeah i mean you get to take two attack actions this is like a i mean two range four shots with his gun seems pretty good yeah like it doesn't have to be melee you know? yeah yeah it's just got... attack action so yeah it doesn't have to be melee you know? yeah. um Range four or five dice, pierce one, suppressive, surge crit. Yeah, seems, seems good. really good. Gross. Um, like you could easily panic a unit that's like outside of their commander's bubble. Oh man! So like with the triple tap, are you generating six suppression on <laughs> yeah. one unit yeah. potentially? I think that I. That's pretty I, good. My my theory is that boss combined with Palpatine is actually a pretty decent combo. But yeah, I think Bosk is cheap enough that that's actually possible. Yeah. Um. Paul Boba is pretty good too. I don't want to count. I want to scrub it and say it's too expensive, but it, it's he expensive. Just, he just doesn't have a very, uh, um, what do you call it? Like like a very effective attack to um, pull the strings. Yeah, yeah, but this is the range four gun that has like this is where pull the string oh, really yeah. shines, yeah. right? It was long range For fire. Sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Anything else you guys got to say about the reptilian rampage? Uh, the wound turns on tenacity. That's the best part. Yeah. Did your? Does he doesn't have charge? Does he? Uh, uh he does have enrage. So. He does have enrage. So okay, cool. Let's, so yeah. you could act, so you could actually flip him into the enrage band and then then melee with your charge. Yeah. That's I cool. I sort of feel like with three moves. I, with three moves, because you get the free move action. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, That's pretty dope. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not. Not bad. I, I just um, 
I don't think you want to play Bosk in melee. I, I think he, yeah, he, probably he not. kind of folds in any melee engagement that he doesn't just outright win at the beginning of. Well, hopefully with hopefully with multiple attacks, you have that idea. You have that in yeah, hand. That's that the hope. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, with you know, you're looking at um, with tenacity. You're looking at two red, two black, one white, Pierce one, double tapped. So um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a, yeah. it's it's a it's a lightsaber, no doubt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. not, I'm not gonna argue with that. I just like if anybody's if he doesn't like kill or effectively mitigate the damage swinging back at him in melee. It's yeah, he needs to kill or severely maim, whatever he The touches. other thing is that he's got to get to melee before... Yeah, and you you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely like an, if he if you happen to find yourself yeah. there, you can tread something, but it's not like you should be charging up the table with him just to activate no. that. Right, it's, it's totally situational. But it's a thing you can do. Yeah. It's a move. So... With that being said, his one pip actually might be a reason to charge him up the table. Uh, yeah, speaking yeah. of which. So, Merciless Munitions. Um, during the round this card is played, Boss gets to arm a Dioxus charge. Um, after Ooh. he performs that action, he gets to perform a speed one move. Uh, and then until the end of the game, he gains detonate dioxys charge and it says after a trooper unit defends against an attack made by your dioxys charge it gains one poison token do not discard this card from play so the dioxys charge is a range one red black blast surge to crit um so it's already averaging like a hit and a half ignoring cover against everything within against, range one of right Wherever you drop um, it. Yeah. It's so it's it's a mine from the minefield condition card. Yeah, or is a sap mine, right? Right. Um, yeah. Not that mm -hmm. we see those on the table a lot, but right. <laughs> um, not often. No, but man. I mean, like you could see like some meta sab lists with like triple sabs, Bosk or something. Um, the die. Uh, so you get a poison token if you get hit by this attack. <laughs> yeah. So it's one damage basically. Yeah. One unsavable damage. Wow. So, really, <laughs> what this card says is uh, 2.5 damage pierce one, sort of. Kind of. It's not exactly on, that, but. Unlike every unit in range yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, because the poison token's delayed, but still, like, you know, and you're talking about. It's it's not really pierce, right? right. So, you can do that one one free wound also to pierce immune units. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's even better than pierce. It's, it's significantly. <laughs> significantly better than that i'm just using that as an example um yeah it's it's definitely it's definitely a reason to not bunch up your guys yeah if you get like five units hit with this i think you are a significant favorite to lose the game um i mean if you get two or three units hit by that that's going to be pretty that's painful true too. depending on what yeah. they are um yeah, that's definitely like a win condition is a good dioxys charge. So it's notable that I, I'm i I'm pretty sure that the reason that this speed one move is in here is so that you can essentially like toss this charge as far from you as possible and then move out of its range and then detonate it. Um, would be my guess. Um, Mine too. It seems... Just to run from his own yeah. radius, yeah. Because uh, the current arm rules say you're hit by your own right, mind. exactly. Um, just just yep. due to um, how that works. So, I don't know. Although, interesting question. Uh, I guess, I don't know if we know this from the stream, but if Poison Token is like 
stims, is it at the end of your activation or at the end of your next activation? Hmm. I don't, I don't know. I guess we don't know. Um, so, um, but yeah, like if you hit yourself with this, it's, it's possible that you just regen more wounds in the meantime before you actually like suffer that poison wound. Yeah, buddy. So it's a good card. Um, I think his one and two pips are both, uh, pretty decent his three pip uh probably be playing coordinated fire <laughs> um yeah which does probably. basically the yeah same i mean thing. if, if boss is <laughs> at the end of your coordinated fire chain you're just dumping 6 a.m tokens on him anyways so <laughs> yeah yeah you got a right. good point i mean there. like no that's what that fits right with palp yeah. boss like you take boss two, take boss two one you take all the palps cards you take coordinated yeah. fire like easy easy command yeah i mean i mean essentially line of weight and coordinated fire like uh, they're pretty much the same card because <laughs> because he's got it if line of weight is six aim tokens he's got to go last anyway so you know i don't know so yep all right we want to sure. real quick hit sabine's cards yeah let's do sabine so sabine's three pip is called legacy of mandalore sabine ran and two troopers are the target the text says Sabine Wren gains Inspire 1. When Sabine Wren issues an order to a commander, operative, or special forces unit, she gains either one aim token or one dodge token. So basically, Sabine gets a ton of tokens for free and gains Inspire 1, as long as she's issuing orders to nearby commanders, operatives, or special forces. And it's nice because unlike... You know, previous operative like unlike Boba Fett, she's actually able to give orders to other units with yeah, this card. Yeah, I think that that's super even though she's an operative. Yeah, um, I agree. Definitely. I do... And she has a nimble, so she's getting a lot of mileage out of that. For dodge. sure. I think that this is actually I I don't know if it's a deal breaker over Pathfinders or Wookies, but I think that if you if you don't have Wookies in your army right now, um, it's actually kind of difficult to hit three units with this that that all trigger this, this the condition yeah because she's gonna, not going to be close to your sniper teams she's unlikely to be close to the pathfinders yeah. um and you're probably not running her with two commanders that, that would be my bet though i've met it a couple of lists out um yeah yeah that would be tough to get the full I value mean, now that you mentioned I don't, it. I don't think it's the deal breaker over like woogies or pathfinders because it's really the difference between an uh, like an extra aim token, right? Yeah, and you can't cheat with uplink because she's issuing the order, not the unit that yeah. uplinked. Um, I think most of the time you're taking two aims and a dodge token, unless she's like under some real threat and you need a couple extra dodge tokens. But I think that that's probably the most likely mode that we'll be seeing with this. So it's like a, a single turn quick thinking with three orders attached, which is pretty good on a Mandalorian. Yeah. And she and she gets inspire, you know. Yeah, some nice extra point of Inspire there. Or if you're running her without Leia, then yeah. I mean, for cost, you could totally run Luke, Leia, and a really cheap Sabine, probably. That may know. or may not be the list. I'm, just, I'm envisioning it. Invader we'll see. That may, not be, may or may not be the list, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> she was. <laughs> All right, so I mean, that's, that's pretty self-explanatory. It's got a ton of uses and a ton of benefits, so not much more to say there. Um definitely better than save our skins that wasn't hard though to be better yeah, than save that's not our a very skins. high bar yeah it's not a very high bar um better than covering fire eh, i don't know 
Probably. I think so. Yeah, yeah if you're running so. if you're running her, yeah. Just, it's yeah. much more it's much more reliable and it gives you way more activation control. Oh definitely. Yes. The, the if this card said Sabine Wren and Luke Skywalker on it, it would be better than covered fire. <laughs> that's true. Opinion. Yeah, that's true. Oh, you know where she gets the full vibe of this is if she's running with Han Chewie. Yes. Or Leia Chewy. I, th- I think she the, definitely gains full value there. Those lists are probably the ones that are the easiest ones to like full trigger this. Leia Chewy Sabine seems like an interesting idea. Anyway, we can we can speculate later. Um, so two pip symbol of rebellion. Uh, targeting only Sabine Ren. When Sabine Ren activates, she recovers. Yay for a free recover. Uh, during Sabine Ren's activation, you may place one graffiti token. That's new. At range one, and in line of sight of her, touching a piece of non-area terrain. So she spray paints a symbol somewhere, and that graffiti makes something happen. I yeah, think. I mean, I think basically it makes it, you roll an extra dice when your dudes are rallying close enough to it, and your opponent rolls one less dice when their dudes are rallying close enough to it. Um, yeah. Down to a minimum of one, you can't, you know, just automatically fail a rally if you only have one suppression, but... Right, but it makes it tougher for your opponents to rally. It makes it easier for you to rally, essentially, within within a certain distance. Yeah. Seems good. Yeah, Seems really it, good. It's it's and, one of those effects that's, like, subtle, but I think very good. I just love it for the free recover. Like, recover's great. And, I mean, she has a personal shield that she has, and I think that's perfect for personal shield. A lot of folks are saying it's too expensive, but I, I disagree. I think personal shield's really nice, especially if you late game when you really need that block result you can just personal shield your way out of trouble yeah i mean i don't know it it might be actually over the top i think like sabine with a dodge token is already dodge token and personal shield and impervious yeah seems really good i like i just i don't know like i'm not sure if the shield if if the shield is necessary it will be really good but i don't know if it's necessary yeah, I mean, it's for that one attack that you think you're going to die, possibly, Yeah, that it would really help you. And I think that's a nice, like, get-out-of-jail-free card that's not a stems. It it seems to be in the useful but not required category. Yeah, know. for sure. Like, it's, it's if you have the if you have the space, take it. Otherwise, you know, you might leave it at home for other fun things. All right, um, so that's Symbol of Rebellion. And then last but not least, Explosions, which is... A very interesting name for a command card. It's a one pip, Sabine Ren. Uh, kind of like Bosk's one pip. During the round this card is played, Sabine Ren gains arm two thermal charge. After she performs this action, she may perform a speed one move. Until the end of the game, Sabine Ren gains detonate two thermal charge. Do not discard this card from play. Uh, range one area weapon, red white surge crit with blast, uh, a weaker proton charge. Yep. But there are two of them. There are so, two of them, and you can throw them down and then do a speed one move away. So, and then and you can both detonate both time. at once. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's basically suppressive through the back door because it's two separate attacks. Yeah, I mean, assuming that you drop them right on top of each other, um, right? Which is, I think, is like probably likely what you're doing most of the time. I'm sure that yeah. there are situations where you want to spread it out for whatever reason yeah i mean if you can't like if if you've got a bunch of units that you want to hit and you can't catch all of them with just the one charge you probably got some overlap right like a venn diagram style yeah uh, placement um 
I think it's notable for this and Bosks that they kind of have to be pretty close to the opponent already to to use these generally. Yeah, and like I think when you're playing against them, you just need to spread out because they definitely have these one pips that really damage massed troopers. Yeah, I think um, explosions is going to be. I think we're going to see a lot more explosions than the. Uh whatever the name of Bosk's is, uh, Merciless Munitions, just because I think Sabine, specifically with the Darksaber, kind of wants to be up in your opponent's grill uh, as it is. And I think this just kind of makes it even more murder. Yeah, she's going to, unlike Bosk, she's very likely to be in there anyway. So, yeah. and, and Definitely. Like, it, she's going to be in there, and if you don't dedicate units to deal with her, she's just going to murder whatever she's dealing with. So... It's kind of, <laughs> there are going to be hard choices you're going to have to make. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, this was on the live stream, right? Like, uh, you know, Luke, Luke threw this down and just blew everything up. <laughs> I, I would like to say, and Luke, you, you were losing that game very handily to that tank, and then explosions happened, and all of a sudden you weren't. <laughs> so, hmm. <laughs> it's a lot of dice rolling. It's almost like rebels put their put their uh, lists on the back of one extremely strong hero. <laughs> well, no, that's no longer going to be true. They're going to put their lists on the backs of two extremely strong heroes. There you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, um, okay. So, all right. I would like to just like wish list that I wish these cards just said detonate charge on them. Can you imagine like if she could just blow like if you ran her with sabs, she just blows up a bunch of charges at once. I, oh I just goodness. like I a that would be wicked cool. B we might actually see some more like we might see like sabs go a little bit more mainstream at that point. I don't think it's enough to make them like wicked good, but it gives you like a, a like you can just toss down bo- bombs and not like worry about if your strike team gets killed, right? Because all of a sudden Sabine like Sabine's gonna stay in play for a little while. You know, yeah. um, it's a little extra insurance. Yeah, I mean, like clearly that's that's not how it works, but yeah. Wish list if people are listening. All right, you guys got anything else? This this was a a uh, packed episode. Yeah, we've we've uh, I think we've set our piece for for this week. We're gonna have more to come next week before we head to Chicago. Yeah, maybe I'll have decided Wookiees or Pathfinders by then. Yeah. I've maybe got we'll like a, maybe we'll have an article. Yeah, <laughs> that that's has true. something to do with Imperials. Yo, yep. Don't get me started. Let's we're like an hour and a half into this episode. It doesn't need to go another <laughs> half hour. Let's I, I bet they drop like the Imperial Specialist article on Thursday. You know they will, right? <laughs> we know this All is right. the article that you've been waiting for. The Emperor is displeased with your progress. <laughs> all right all right so we are the notorious scoundrels i'm kyle i'm mike i'm david and we'll see you next week happy legion join us next time for another edition of the notorious scoundrels podcast this has been a fifth trooper production <laughs>